Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, welcome back to Herd Tell. Uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, nice, light topic. Porn in public libraries. Now, seriously, we got to talk a little bit about some censorship, some public uh, forum. Also going to talk some education. We got Gary and Frankel with us. He's a Young Voices contributor. Uh, he's a Texas A&M guy. You can insert your own joke here. Uh, those of you from uh, other Texas-affiliated schools. Uh, but he's written all over the place. Uh, Gary, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Appreciate you having me on, Andrew. Now, anytime. Glad to talk to you. Another one of our uh, Young Voices contributors that we get to partner with. Okay, man. We talk about turning down the noise on this. We've had a lot of noise over libraries last few years. We've had Drag Queen Story Hour in libraries. We've had censorship issues in libraries. We just had the headlines in the last few days of school libraries and trying to pull certain things and uh, the graphic novels from the Holocaust and things like this in the library. Why are libraries, public and school, such a flashpoint in culture wars right now? Yeah, I, I think there's that's a, that's a good question because nobody really seems to have a firm answer to it. Um, I think there's a couple of different dynamics that really go into why libraries are such a hot topic right now. Um, I think one point is primarily historical. You know, we hate, we in America, even on the even the progressives, though they'll never admit it, like their tradition. And we have this long historical tradition of libraries being a civic hub in the United States. They're a hub for learning, they're a hub for civic discussion, they're a hub for information, and it's been that way for 150, 200 years. And whenever you see these kinds of cultural flashpoints take place, and you know, to a certain extent, this has been true historically as well, libraries have always been on the front lines. In a more recent sense, I think that the rise of the librarians' unions, uh, especially fueled by the American Civil Liberties Union, has really added to this flashpoint because much like teachers' unions, uh, librarians' unions are overwhelmingly of a particular political persuasion, and they will use whatever leverages of power they have in order to spread that intensely political message. It's almost like the battle taking place with teachers unions, but with a different medium and a different history. Now, the pushback on that will be our progressive friends will say, well, this has been dominated by the other side for so long. We're just trying to even it up here. How much does this really matter? Because is there a disconnect between what we all see? You just said it. Uh, We think of the library as being this public communal hub. But is it really anymore? Or is this a subset of people that are still using libraries while technology has kind of gone a different direction, I'm a library fan. I like going to the library. I still go to the library. I have a library card. 
but that's a certain subsection of people and a lot of folks have Google. Doesn't that dynamic play into here too, that we're, we're dealing with some perceptions that might not be reality when it comes to these library situations? Yeah. And that has to be taken into consideration. Um, objectively speaking, there are far more people who get their information and participate civically on Twitter or other forms of social media than at the public library. But Libraries have seen, especially private libraries, have seen a bit of a resurgence in recent years. Of course, not to what they were once were. They will probably never be that again, but they have emerged as an important point of discussion. But another thing that adds to this sort of library battle is school libraries, because school libraries are still very important because school librarians are generally aren't just managing the library anymore. They're doing a lot of other functions for the schools. Sometimes they'll administer testing. Sometimes they'll provide some form of counseling services. Sometimes they handle technology. It can vary depending on the district and you know the form of education involved. But school librarians still have a prominent role. And the American Association of School Librarians, which is the largest librarian union in the country, is a direct subset of the American Library Association. So you know, all of these groups are still connected, um, particularly in an academic setting. Yeah. And we should point out too, that libraries are not just libraries. They're, uh, I know my polling place is at the library uh, slash community center. It's all one building. Uh, A lot of the COVID testing things have been in the library. So they're used for a lot of different stuff here. Uh, Talking to Gary and Frankel. Okay. You, when you wrote about this in the Federalist, Uh, You took a shot right off the bat, right in what we call the subheading, took a little shot at libertarians right off the bat on it, um, saying that just kind of hand waving and dismissing this. It's not just all conspiracy theories. What did you mean by that? And what do you think? What do you think is noise? And what do you think is actual valid concerns? Because we've all seen the freak outs over certain things with the libraries, the drag queen story hours, things like this. What is noise and what is a legitimate concern that needs to be hashed out between libertarians, conservatives and progressives here? Yeah. And so a lot of what qualifies as noise, at least in my opinion, you know, for about ever since the books came out, really, there's been this large scale war over Harry Potter. You know, you have people saying that it's unchristian or it's witchcraft or something like that. So Harry Potter has been challenged in libraries. It's been challenged in schools. It often appears on banned book lists. I really don't think we need to be having important policy conversations about Harry Potter. Um, as far as drag queen story hours go, um, and you know those other types of hot button culture war issues, what we have to be careful is to differentiate between what can be changed through policy and what requires a wider co- cultural conversation to which the levers of change may not necessarily be through policy. Because drag queen story hour, for example, I can absolutely understand why a lot of parents and families would be absolutely horrified about it. But on the other hand, if you just start dropping the band hammer on things, that gets turned against you as soon as you're not in power anymore. But I do think there is an honest conversation to be had about transparency, because librarians unions typically oppose any form of transparency or parental oversight over what their kids are checking out, what their kids are reading. And children don't belong to the government. They don't belong to librarians unions. If they belong to anybody, it's their parents. So I think there is an honest policy conversation to be had about, you know, what rights do parents have in both schools and public libraries? Yeah, talking to Gary and Frankel. All right, let's hash that out, because what they will say and the progressive folks will say is 
the parental involvement is whether you're taking them to these events or not. It is fair for them to point out that Drag Queen Story Hour, that's a parent-led thing. Uh, nobody made those kids do it. Those parents are probably going to do things like that in their private life anyway. Uh, it's a free country. They're going to do that regardless. This is how they're doing it. And they're going to say that parents can have the parental guidance is, well, you don't have to go to the library. You don't have to take out that certain book, et cetera, et cetera. Where's the line there, though? Because libertarians and conservative folks want to, you know, ostensibly or at least traditionally, they're against censorship. They're for freedom. They're for free speech. Where's the line in here of what they're saying? And I understand it's a public space, a lot of these libraries. So let's get that out of the way. So there's that argument as well. Where's the line there, though, where you can go, okay, I'm I have my opinion and you have your opinion and we both have a right here and still honor that before we get into a censorship and what you called the ban hammer. Yeah. So something I mentioned in the article in The Federalist is that there is also a distinction between censorship and parenting. Censorship is when one parent tries to block something for everybody else because they don't want their child seeing it. And, you know, if that was what people were really doing and then we could then that would be one conversation. But that's not what's actually happening, because what librarians unions and a lot of their supporters are claiming and then what they're actually promoting on the side and their own policies are not one and the same because they're not really trying to just provide an open open space. They're trying to block parents from parenting, because if you look at the inner documents from the American Library Association or the American Association of School Librarians, they see parents as the enemy. And they consider a parent blocking a piece of information from their own child, not advocating for banning it, not blocking it from anybody else, just their own child. They see that as censorship and a violation of the children's rights. I call that parenting. Because obviously parents are not going to want their kids, especially if they're under a certain age, to see certain things. It can be junk food. It can be porn. It can be, I don't know, some other piece of political or social information. That's parenting. That's what's always happened. So I don't see any legal problem with parents having some kind of access to what their children are reading and looking at, as long as that doesn't expand into others. Yeah. Talking to Gary and Frankel. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and continue this conversation. Lots more to dig into here uh, because, yeah, it's just a library. That's kind of a stodgy, quiet place, but it sure is intersecting a lot of things like freedom of speech, like censorship, like education. We're going to talk a little education with him, too. We'll be back with all of that on Hertel right after this. back to her tell we're talking to gary and frankel okay i think part of the problem here is terminology so i know it gets clicks and headlines when we say porn in libraries but that's got a lot of meaning to a lot of different people is part of this just language where we talk about anything at all being the least little bit sexually explicit we can call it porn get a big splashy headline and then we miss the entire point of the debate in the first place yeah and you know that's definitely a consideration because what qualifies as porn to one person may be completely different for another person but i think there are books in li- in public libraries around the country that are being pushed towards children under the age of 18 that cannot in any sense of the word be considered as anything else besides porn. Um, One of the most infamous examples is a graphic novel called Gender Queer. Um, It's in dozens of public libraries and even in a few schools around the country. And Gender Queer includes 
images of extremely graphic sexual content, you know, anatomy and all. And it's unclear whether some of these images may in fact include children. You know, when a parent sees that that book is in a library readily available for children under the age of 18 and the librarians unions consider any attempt to stop the child from acquiring that extremely graphic book to be censorship, of course they're going to get upset and of course they're going to start pushing back on that. Again, and here's the pushback on that is, just so you can respond to it, there's graphic anatomy in the Bible. There's graphic anatomy in all sorts of things. And this is a book on a shelf. It's an inanimate object. It is not going to fly off the shelf and hit a kid in the head on its own. It has to be picked up. It has to be moved. And that's where the parental guidance comes in. Are we losing part of the conversation here with censorship by just not having some personal accountability involvement? Um, to a certain extent, I think that would be a much better argument if the librarians unions, which are very powerful in a library context, weren't actively attempting to block any attempts of parental guidance. And I'm not even talking about public policy levers. I'm not talking about book bans. I'm not talking about literary hit lists. I'm not saying efforts to, oh, remove this book from the library. It, from a policy perspective, if a parent tries to block their child from checking out a particular book and their child alone without any impact on anybody else, the librarians unions consider it censorship. You can find that in their documents. You can find that in their training sessions. It's all there. They do not want any parental supervision over what their own children are reading. Now, I think part of the problem here is uh, you've also written on education. So this goes to education, too, is when you're talking about education, when you're talking about a teacher, when you're talking about a student and you're talking about a parent. There needs to be a relationship and a partnership between all three of those things or none of it works. We're seeing it in uh, the education fear where it becomes uh, teachers versus parents. That's unhealthy for both sets of people. And that seems to be happening in the libraries as well. How do we repair that? Because what we have now is a power struggle where it's, well, I have parental rights. And then the library is like, well, I have free speech rights. You're, you're never going to really gain ground there. How do we make this more of a partnership of hey, you have a resource to give to the public. You have a child that you're trying to get these resources are. How do we make that more of a partnership and less of a policy debate? Yeah, and I, I think there's a different answer for that in both schools and libraries. Um, it's rare to hear this these days, but it's actually easier in the schools. Um, you know, it's no secret through my writing and through some of my other work that I'm a big proponent of school choice. So school choice doesn't just benefit children. It doesn't just benefit families. It also benefits teachers because since there are more schools, there's more variety. A teacher can work at a particular school that reflects their values, that reflects their pedagogy. So it's easier under those circumstances to develop a healthier relationship with parents and students. So like you said, it becomes more of a partnership than a policy battle. It's a lot more difficult in libraries because you know when it comes to schools, we say teachers unions, but really teachers unions have a lot more influence over, you know, upper levels of administration and financing decision than they do on what actually happens in the classroom. Whereas with librarians unions, there's a much more of a direct reach. So part of the problem with developing a partnership with librarians in some settings is that those librarians are prominent members of librarians unions. 
And those librarians unions have very particular guidance. They have very particular training. It's, you know, almost a setting of indoctrination because they have very particular beliefs and they want librarians to put those beliefs into practice, whether they're right or wrong or whether parents like it or not. So it's a much more challenging task with libraries than it is with schools. And, you know, for many people, there's an argument to be made that it might not even be possible in a library setting and that any type of real change is going to have to happen at the policy level or through some kind of third party, which is why um, I proposed a book rating system in my Federalist article. You know, we rate movies, we rate TV shows, we can rate books too. And then parents can make decisions based on whatever book rating happens, whatever book rating they feel is appropriate for their child. But librarians and unions oppose that too. So it's hard. It's it's really hard. Yeah, talking to Gary and Frankel. Okay, you've been beaten up on the teachers, or excuse me, the library union, teachers unions by extension. Uh, but you actually end this piece with, I think, something insightful aimed at the parents of for whatever issues you may have with the uh, library union and their uh, leftward tent ideologically, giving the rightward tented parents whatever they wanted would be just as equally bad, if not more destructive to the purpose of putting knowledge in the hands of children. Yeah, because part of the issue is, and you know, and this is a problem that I think with everybody in the political spectrum these days, we have this we, meaning the American political community as a whole right now, have this tendency to pressure for bans of whatever we don't like. Ban X, ban Y, ban Z. Oh, I woke up on the wrong side of the day today. Ban my bed. Um, And the problem with banning things is that, you know, it's all well and dandy while you're the ones in control, but people have this assumption that they're always going to be the ones in control. And they're not. It's just a reality of any kind of democratic or Republican system. It's just not going to happen. You are eventually going to lose control. And when you lose control, those institutions suddenly become weapons against you. And then suddenly all the things that you think are good and you think are right, well, they're the ones on the literary hit list. So I think that the real policy solutions, I mean, of course, they're there's something here or there that should be banned based on some kind of clear empirical or philosophical conclusion. But, you know, that's not really applicable in this situation. It's much more about beefing up the institutions we already have and the institutions that, you know, both allow, that allow both a rich environment for free speech, but also give parents oversight over what's best for their kids. Let's loop this back to where we started to finish it off, though. Uh, We talked about the whole problem with this is libraries are traditionally seen as community centers, kind of like schools. A lot of communities, the library is attached to the school. They are in my area. The the library is actually on the end of the school buildings or the community centers. They kind of have these multi-purpose buildings now. How much of this is the broader problem in society and in our culture and politics that we've just lost all sense of community? Because like you said, teachers unions, they get orders from their national office. Uh, The parents, they are listening and intaking a lot of national, cultural and political media. So now they're very upset about Drag Queen Story Hour in Columbus, Ohio, when they live in Texas and it doesn't really directly affect them. How much of this is just an offshoot of we've lost the communal aspect of our society of hey, we have different people in our community, we can go to the library and this is somewhere where we need to compromise to kind of all get along and find out a better system. Yeah, we definitely have that lost that sense of community to a broad extent. And it wasn't 
there was never a true threshold. It was, it's been a long process that's taken several decades. Um, but the problem is our tendency to nationalize everything is not only ineffective in alleviating that loss of community, it's making it worse. So I think in order to really sort of improve our civic health, we need to make th- we need to make more decisions at the state level. We need to make more decisions at the local level. We need to make individual people, they feel like they have agency in their own lives because when they don't feel like they have agency, when they don't feel like they have any sort of input, when they don't feel like they're being listened to, they sort of join these national movements that are sometimes and possibly quite often um, more destructive than they are beneficial. Yeah, I think so. And it's, and it's harder to yell and scream at somebody that's sitting in front of you than on Twitter or on Facebook. And we kind of lose our humanity that way. So good stuff. Like to dig into it more. We got to leave it there. Gary and Frankel, good stuff. Good writing. You're writing all over the place. You're a Young Voices contributor. Let folks know where they can follow you on social media and the writing stuff you've got going on so they can keep up with you. Yeah, I'm most active on Twitter uh, at Frankel Garian, literally just my last name, then my first name. And I frequently write in Chalkboard Review, Redefine Ed, and the American Institute for Economic Research. And I also appear in other outlets from time to time. Fantastic stuff. We did a good 20 minutes of good talking with you without a single Aggie joke. Praise me. (laughs) Um, Texas A&M guy down there deep in the heart of Texas. Uh, Gary and Frankel, thank you so much for the time today, sir. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Thank you, sir. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.